Welcome back to the Jote Show here on the Dion Family Network, episode 134. We're down to seven football games left of this year. Oh, why are we counting? Uh, I, d- I wanted to, I was going to ask you how you feel about that, but I think that was that was already your answer. Yeah. Uh, we're down to four games this weekend, conference championship, Pro Bowl. I guess, I mean, if we want to count eight, the Pro Bowl, eight, eight games left. Yeah. Eight games and Super Bowl time. Only a few weeks left, but to me, I think, I think divisional round is always the best weekend, right? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Sometimes you're getting some good wild card games, but really there was only we were I think what one for five, one for four, one um, for six. Yeah, one for six. Uh, Two for six. I guess if we're counting the Raiders Bengals game as one. That was like a good yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. So two. Yeah. Other I, than that. I, I kind of thought the Rams-Cardinals game was entertaining, I guess. Yeah. yeah it wasn't quite the blowout of wasn't like Pittsburgh-Kansas City or right. New England-Buffalo. Pit- or Pits- uh, the Eagles and Tampa Bay. Oh, yeah. That was that was the worst game. Uh, so today we are going to talk about divisional round preview. Recording this really an hour before, just about an hour before our games start. This is... I know wildcard weekend is there's only one game on at a time, but this feels like this feels like the best weekend because it's the heightened pressure of you get four games this weekend, but they're all later in the afternoon and at right. night. Right. Uh we're also gonna talk about uh Rangers Leafs and another Leafs collapse. The Oilers still slumping. Uh Brad Marchand just keeps making headlines and it's good for the podcast, I guess. He's yeah. entertaining. And then NBA, we'll talk about Houston and the Lakers talking about a John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade and who has to throw in the extra draft pick for that one. Uh, Talk about the Raptors' games against Dallas and Washington. And then I'm going to give you the stat line from the last 13 Joel Embiid games and how really in the last 13 games he looks like he could be the MVP. Okay. A little tease there for you. But divisional round preview, it's where we start. Cincinnati at Tennessee. It's a 4:30 Eastern game. It's CBS. It's Ian Eagle and Trent Green because once again we have Charles Davis is in COVID protocol and is missing this game. Oh boy! So it's Trent Green, which it's not like it's not like it's a huge downgrade, right? I, it's probably just more the dynamic might be a little off because they're not doing games together all year, but. Uh, I guess I, did, I said we were going to do guest lines, and then I just didn't guest line. So I'll just get you to guest lines. What is Cincinnati, Tennessee, we said we thought it was going to be low earlier right. this week. Do you think I'll it's moved? Tennessee's favored by five and a half. Ooh. Still. Dude, now you went high. It's Tennessee by four. Oh. Still. To me, it's still disrespect to the Titans because we know Derrick Henry's playing. But I guess it's probably the biggest question mark of this game is – what kind of condition is he in? Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then we already talked about the young Bengals. They have nothing to lose. There's no pressure on them whatsoever. So even if they lose this game, the press conference will all be, yeah, we're disappointed, but, you know, no one thought we were going to make it this far. Right. Um, this is, I like, I like some fun stats. Do you know the last time Joe Burrow threw an interception? Ooh. No. 
week 13 against the Chargers. Wow. And people talk about the last three games, the run he's been on. But I, I think we need to circle back and just say this Bengals offense has been building for this moment. Yeah, absolutely. And the Titans, again, you said it that it, it is usually whoever gets the bye, they're usually prepared, especially for Tennessee. They are yeah. prepared and get Derrick Henry back. Right. Nice and well-rested. Yeah, it's not like Henry's coming back. They're not rushing him back, so to speak. Yeah, right. they like week 18, there was talks of like if he could come back, but they just didn't activate him in time for that, meaning he just got right. an extra like two weeks off. Yeah. I, I feel like he doesn't have to be a huge part of this game. I feel like it's almost just the threat of Derrick Henry is enough. Yeah, I agree. And I still think they get a decent running game without him yeah so Tannehill even can run the ball when yep. he needs to that's right Foreman has been getting better and with the Tennessee offense it's also just is Julio Jones just the sleeping giant I don't think he is but again yeah. it's still the threat it's still the possibility he's their second maybe even third best wide receiver isn't it uh this must be one of the few weeks that they've had both their wide receivers in the lineup at the same time I think so. I, right? it, like they're getting healthy at the right time, but again, is it Cincinnati's getting hot at the right time and they're running into the wrong team? We'll see. Yeah. I also think back of just the way Tennessee is kind of built. I'll even just go back. Like 2019, they were the underdog every step of the way. They went to Baltimore and beat the Ravens. Uh, where else did they go? Well, they went to the AFC Championship game that year against the Chiefs, and now I can't even think about who else they played but Tennessee was just always the underdog in those playoffs wow I really I wasn't I wasn't Cleveland Pittsburgh oh it was uh, New England it was Tom Brady's last game as a Patriot okay. so they went into New England they went into Baltimore and then even that AFC championship game I think people kind of forget that Tennessee was up big in that game against the Chiefs were they oh yeah that's true and early the Chiefs right came back right right very yeah. quickly but they have this Wasn't experience. Houston, didn't that happen to Houston too? too Kansas yeah. City? Okay. It, and that was the same, same playoff, run, okay. playoff run. Wow. And I mean, that just shows the when we talk about that Bills Chiefs game, just the experience. And I think that does, to me, ultimately make the difference. And I love the Bengals. Again, I will cheer for the Bengals in yep. this game, but I yep. still think this is the Titans game to lose. I'm taking the Bengals. Ooh, okay. I'm interested. It's not your. I was going to say 1990 Bengals. It could be any year because they, they've they never won a road game in the playoffs. That's how bad this franchise is. Wow. Ever. They're 0-7. And they went to a Super Bowl. Didn't they go to a couple Super Bowls? Yeah, but they were always the, the like, one seed. Number, yeah. Hmm. Um, okay, I'm interested. I guess, do you ha did you do confidence or do you have where you would put it? Oh, that one would probably be my lowest confidence game. I'll write it down. I'm gonna. I'll tell you right now. Tennessee is my is my number one. I have the most confidence in the Titans winning. Wow. Man. I like. I like that we're different. I mean, last week we had one pick that was different, and it came down to that Monday night yeah. game. Yeah. I like that we're gonna we're gonna. I have a feeling we might have a couple games different. I think. I think we'll split it. I think half will have the same, probably in different spots though. Uh, anything else for Bengals Titans that you're looking to towards? Um. I would say, again, it's going to be the offensive line for the Bengals if they can stop. Not that I – like, I think the Titans 
front four is not as strong as the team they just played. So Burrow might not have to do as much running out of the pocket. But we'll see. Yeah. We'll I'll see. Uh, Hendrickson on the Bengals defensive line, he was in concussion protocol, but he was cleared. Their defensive tackle that got hurt during the Raiders game, he's right. out. So maybe a little less pressure on the Bengals. I could see this being like a weirdly high-scoring game, like not one where it's like 45-42. I could see right. it maybe high-scoring early, or maybe it's one of those they're feeling each other out and there's like 10 points in the first half. Right. Yeah, because they both – well, we know Tennessee likes to run the ball. So if you can run the ball effectively, you can really kill the clock and narrow the amount of points scored. So can Cincinnati too, though, right? Yeah. Is this Does this not kind of feel – I didn't write it down, but does it not kind of feel like an over-under can kind of tell who wins this game? Yeah. If it's an over, it's yeah. a Bengals win. It means right. if, if Tennessee gets themselves caught in a shootout, I think right. that's exactly where Cincinnati wants them. Right, because, again, to me, Tannehill is just an older Mac Jones. Like, if he, if he falls behind, that's not their style to play from behind. Yeah. And yeah, we've seen that. in like, for the Titans, who I think even we have disrespected to some extent as a one seed, they have – they've had a tendency to win close games, but – and lose them yeah but if they're like it's also like to me it's it's almost why i want to see tennessee buffalo again because i want to see okay if tennessee wins again then i'll go okay you know what i'll throw out that monday night game buffalo just took that risk and they lost right but if it's tennessee buffalo again which the the buffalo roadmap to getting to the super bowl is not just well obviously it's all good teams right now but it's also exercising some demons and the titans would definitely be one of those teams that buffalo would need to beat to exercise demons right and then we're going to be watching the supposed lateral what do they call that play uh, music the, city miracle yeah exactly i if if bad that, football memory is the last couple of weeks for me <laughs> for highlights of years past is there any like historical like bengals houston oilers matchups Oh, for sure. Houston Buffalo was down thirty eight three at the half to oh, Houston. I meant, yeah, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, oh. Tennessee, or Houston. Oh. Uh not nothing significant. Not that I can remember. Yeah, I don't even know if they've ever played before in the playoffs. It's also weird when it's I, I feel like again, one day if they ever create a sports czar and I take over that role. We're just giving all the Houston Oilers record. Actually, maybe not. Not as much as like the Arizona Coyotes Winnipeg thing. But like, it's weird to be like the Houston Oilers, but it's the Titans records. If that right. makes sense. And right. Now we have another Houston, Houston team. team. Right. It's like the Baltimore Cleveland thing, where it's yes. like, well, Baltimore is Cleveland. Right. But, do they, but there's another Cleveland. Do now. they get Jim Brown records? Yeah, I don't know how it, that works. It's a it's a slippery slope. Um. Our late game Saturday night, San Francisco at Green Bay. Again, I'll, I'll, this is – I wonder if they give the teams the option of when they can play, like if they have like a priority list of when you can play. Because if you're Green Bay, is this not the perfect spot you want to play the 49ers? Yeah, uh, later, late, colder. And a day earlier than you would normally have to. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'll throw another guess the line for you. Uh, I will say – Green Bay is favored by three. Ooh, it's five. Wow. So, not not too much. I, I guess it's maybe the injury concern for the 49ers. 
Right. Because, like, I know we usually do this, and it's, oh, it's the West Coast team having to play somewhere cold. Yeah. Are we sure that's a problem for San Francisco? Mm, probably not the way they play. Like, they're going to run the ball. They're yeah. going to control the clock. Yeah, exactly. They're going to try to keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. Right. I also love just this rivalry, although, like, historically, I guess it's not – is it as – This is their seventh meeting, I think, which is a record for two teams playing against each other in the playoffs. Wow. I guess I just don't really – I guess in my brain I just think of – okay, so the Green Bay dominated early, like the Bart Star days. Right. right? Bart Star. And then Joe Montana kind of takes over. And I guess that intertwining point was the Steve Young and Brett Favre kind of days. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was between San Francisco, Green Bay, and Dallas. Like the 80s, 90s, those three teams were just dominating. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, do you know his record against the 49ers in the playoffs? Couple. Two and one? He is 0-3. Oh hmm. The one in the game I think of is, I think it was, I think it was still a candlestick actually that Colin Kaepernick just ran all over the Packers okay. when they were on their Super Bowl run. Oh, and three was interesting to me because I, that makes me think they must have lost. I couldn't think of the third one, so they lost. He lost to Kaepernick. Right. Maybe they lost. No, because they lost the NFC Championship game when San Francisco lost to Kansas City. I just couldn't think right. of the third one. I guess maybe Rodgers played Alex Smith at one point. I guess so. Which that's well, that's a that's a weird loss. But I, it, again, it's one of those numbers that doesn't really matter. No, but if he falls right. to zero and four, then everybody's going to bring that back up. Right. Uh, it's also the historical rivalry, rivalry, but also recently, it feels like they play at least once a year now. Right. That they played that NFC Championship game. They played earlier this year where Green Bay won by two. Right. And it's okay. So, the I guess the difference. I don't think they played in Green Bay. I think they played in San Francisco this year. Same with the NFC Championship game. Do you do you hold any of that to, like that these teams know each other well? Does that have an impact on where what you think about this game? Um, not as much as like division foes because they play each other twice. So it's a the third time is probably tougher where you're, like you said, kind of like what you said about uh, Kelsey. Like, save those plays. Yeah. Right? Like, why are you, why are you throwing that out here against Pittsburgh? You've already won the game. But So, I don't think it has as a much an Im impact. But I think you're going two good coaches here uh, going head-to-head. -head, so, I, I don't give one or the other an advantage. I guess the only difference for Shanahan is that he doesn't have – the last time when – it was the NFC Championship game. He had Robert Sala, his defensive coordinator that he had for years. And he had Matt LaFleur's, I don't know if it's a little brother, but his brother, Mike? I'm pretty sure it's Mike LaFleur. Might be confused. The other, the LaFleur brother was his he? offensive coordinator. Gennaki LaFleur. <laughs> so he had, he had, then there's this LaFleur rivalry. And I'm pretty sure Matt LaFleur was like Sala's best man at his wedding or something like that. Right, so right. There's almost like a personal aspect to this game that it seems like I know the coaching fraternity is close, but yeah. it feels like these teams in particular are close. Fair enough. Uh, Nick Bosa cleared out of concussion protocol. Oh, that's good. He still said I think it still said he was questionable. questionable. Fair enough. He's if, he, if he's anywhere healthy, he'll play. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Um, who do you think is the bigger threat in this game, Devonte Adams or Debo Samuel? 
I'm going to, I'd rather go off the board and say Aaron Rodgers, but if you're <laughs> giving, just giving me those two choices, I'll go with Samuel. Just because he can do more. It is the, he can touch the ball more. Yeah. I mean, if I'm sure if Green Bay wanted to next year, they could start running these those type of plays for yep. Devontae Adams. I'm sure everybody is going to try to find their Debo Samuel. But for Adams, it's just he – not that he doesn't have chunk plays, but I feel like he is just like the Aaron Rodgers safety blanket. When he needs to make a play, no matter what it is, Adams right. is always there. Him. Right. Um, so weather report, again, at least it's not – a Friday to a Sunday, which could be a lot more unpredictable, like right. with the Philly-Tampa game. Yeah. Apparently, it's going to be between minus 12 and minus 20 Celsius. Right. And snow. Snow, but it wasn't snow the whole game. It was between like 7 and 9. Yeah, it'll be too cold for it to be a snowstorm or anything like that. So, that uh, makes sense. This is Joe Buck, Troy Aikman game. Nice. I'm glad they get this one because right. not that none, again at this point of the year none of these games are bad. Right. But I feel like again if Fox is picking a game, this is the one they want, especially the two historic franchises. Right. Uh, okay. Packers favored by five. I feel like we've kind of laid everything out. I guess also there's still the the Jimmy G. What's his shoulder like? Uh, the linebacker. And his thumb. And his thumb too. Yeah. I feel like that hasn't looked like a problem. No. Because he's just it's taped up, but yeah, it's not affecting. You're not saying, "Oh, that was a bad." Like he had a couple of bad throws, but it wasn't. They were, as they were just Jimmy G bad throws. They weren't having anything to do. I don't think with his injuries. Uh, do you think Hiddle is more part of the offensive game? That plan? was unbelievable. I couldn't believe that at that point where he had only made one catch. Like, but you know what? He's such a good blocker. Yeah. Like they really like they were using him against Joey Bosa. Uh, was it Joey Bosa? No, that's uh, um, from the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm just trying to. Yeah, like who is Parsons? Oh, uh, par, sorry, Parsons. That's what I meant. Yeah, like he was like the lead blocker taking on Parsons, like on numerous running plays. Yeah. I, I couldn't believe that. So it's it's kind of it's it's his argument of why he's the best tight end in football is because he doesn't need to put up the stat line. Right. Is because and he does other stuff. And there's a lot of mic'd up stuff where he doesn't care about catching the ball. Like he enjoys blocking, which right. is kind of. I mean, it's the perfect football player where you're like, okay, you just keep blocking, keep blocking, and then maybe we'll throw you a pass. And he doesn't seem to care. He'd be on the all-Madden team, for sure. Oh, John Madden would love – well, I'm sure yeah. he does yes. love George Kittle. Um, okay, San Francisco, Green Bay, where do you go with this game? Uh, I like the Packers the uh, uh, by winning by at least eight Ooh. in my mind. Okay, confidence-wise? Yeah, uh, that is. This is probably my number one pick. I'm thinking like, yeah, twenty eight seventeen. Oh wait, I didn't 28, do twenty eight twenty. I'll do this for. Tw- okay, let's go twenty eight seventeen. Twenty eight seventeen. Uh, Make I guess final. to go back Cincinnati Tennessee. I didn't get to the score. Oh, um, for that one, I'm going to say, um, twenty four twenty. Twenty four twenty. So, wait, for the Bengals? Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot you were taking the Bengals. Yeah. 24-20. I like it. Okay. Uh, Sunday, early, not even early afternoon. It's like 3, 3.30 game. Uh, the Los Angeles Rams are going to Tampa Bay to face the Bucks. What do you think the spread is? I will say the Buccaneers are favored by four. 
there. Favored by three. Hmm. That hasn't moved. As soon as the Rams won that Monday night game, it was right. set at three. So, wow. I again, I think this is Vegas being scared of the Rams. Yeah, it, again, it's the wishy-washy team. Are they coming out of their slump, or are they going to go right back into it? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, There is some personal, co- again, the personal connection. Sean McVay and Raheem Mor- Morris both. Uh, McVay worked under, he was the quality control coach when John Gruden was the coach in Tampa Bay. Okay. And Raheem Morris was the head coach in Tampa Bay uh, right after they fired Gruden and he had the Josh Freeman team. They won 10 games that year and they fired him. So this is like a double revenge kind of game for the Rams, at least for their coaches. Okay. And Morris is their defensive coordinator, which to me is the biggest part of this game is if the Rams are getting pressure to Tom Brady. Right. That's, I mean, it's a, I would say a bad matchup for the Bucs at least. The pressure, the defensive line. I just, I think the problem that Donald is going to have in this one is Tom Brady throws the ball too quick. And that's why, really, he's 44 and still playing. He doesn't get hit because he's in and out of his hands. As soon as it's in his hands, he's throwing it. So that's why I don't think he ever very rarely gets sacked. And when he does get sacked, it doesn't even seem to be a... It's like he knows it's coming and it's already starting to fall down or whatever, right? So he kind of glances off the hits. Does does the old Eli Manning. Yeah, exactly. Um, This is... I, I think we should just put it i, I want to get the pick out early and then talk about this game because yep. i feel like we differ who who do you have in this game i like the bucks and that is why i thought we would differ i yep. like the rams this i just can't bet against tom brady which is fair the only part about the the pressure why i wanted to bring it up was tristan worse was hurt during that game against the eagles yes that's true yeah. the center ryan jensen he was also banged up i if, think he came back though eh, words i know the, he i think Jen, the... jensen came back oh, okay because they were both on the sideline, and then even the backup they brought in for Worfs, they said right. he might be hurt. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, ultimately, I want both of those guys in the field because I want the best game possible. Yeah. For the Rams, I don't really have much, like, reason why I think they're going to win. Yeah. I think it's just, even though Tampa Bay blew out the Eagles, and I to me, I just kind of throw that game out because the Eagles were not a playoff team. They just happened to make the playoffs right they were just happened to be in that spot right it didn't play very well no and i i think if the rams get to stick to their game plan which i think is a big question mark i think the bucks defense is good but i don't think they're they're great against the pass which is what the rams are going to want to do right and in terms of rushing, I actually I don't feel great about the Rams because the Bucks defensive line has kind of always been yeah. what they are, and they shut down the Eagles, which right. is the it, best rushing it, team in football. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, even though I like the Rams, I'm not just going to blindly say, no, everything's going to go perfect. I'm, I'm putting my faith in Matt Stafford, which is a bit of a terrifying feeling. <laughs> and again, that's, yeah, when, if you're going Tom Brady versus Matt Stafford – so one quarterback finally won a playoff game and the other one's won a million. So I think it's he's won more playoff games. How was the TSN stat? It was like after Brady turned 37, he still won the most playoff games in history. Wow. Like he's won 17. I think Montana's won 16 oh, yeah, in his whole that. career. Right. Which is that's wild. Yeah. Uh, these teams did play earlier this year. It was week three. So it's it's a lot different now. The 
Rams won 34-24. Do you know who led the Bucks in rushing in that game? Um, Fournette? Tom Brady. Oh, boy. 14 yards rushing. That, so that's, yeah, that's when you know you're, you didn't win. If Brady's leading the team in rushing, then, yeah, they're in trouble. The and that's that's another the play, playoff Lenny, which he was amazing for the Bucks last year. If he comes back and can like the Bucks running backs last week again, it's the Eagles, so what does it really mean? But they were serviceable, they were fine. Yeah. Which means if Fournette's coming back, that means the rushing game is going to turn up a level. You would think. Presumably. Yeah. Um Again, for the Bucks, I'm just – the wide receivers, if Jalen Ramsey's covering Mike Evans the whole game, who is Brady going to throw the ball to? We know Gronk will catch a few of them. Yeah. They'll have Brady. Yeah. And then besides that, it feels like he doesn't really trust any of the other receivers. Yeah. They're, I, I just found – I forgot to talk about this last week. I'm just wondering if the last week's game would have changed at all if the Eagles wouldn't have got that um, roughing the passer, which was an idiotic – call yeah like that's where the the coaches i wish they could challenge like but i guess you don't want to embarrass the refs yeah because it it wasn't a rough i know it's tom brady but and he hit him low but he didn't hit him he hit him in the hip yeah right and tom brady was off on that first drive right like he was missing passes i'm just wondering if you know the game changed because of that because all of a sudden that would have been fourth down and they would have had to punt yeah and the Again, Eagles would have had a chance. Yeah, exactly. Like maybe now the Eagles play a decent game, right? Where Tampa goes down and they score, yeah. and they, they, they don't look back. But, um, yeah. Where was I going with that? I don't know. <laughs> Just I think it's and and I said it that the Bucks look vulnerable, and this is the type of team that takes advantage of it. Yeah. Well, we know like they're vulnerable. Definitely, their defensive backs are either hurt, not playing, or playing hurt. So. That'll be a struggle, but yeah, we know the it. Again, to me, it's almost like it's going to be maybe the running game for both teams in this one. Maybe it doesn't come down to the quarterbacks either in this one. Yeah, which if you're saying it's coming down to the running backs, that actually does look better for the Rams because if you're saying right, this is the last drive of the game. Matt Stafford go two minute drill and win. Right. I I don't know who could have confidence in that. Right. Especially when Odell Beckham was great last week. Yeah. You know who wasn't that we don't really talk about, even though he got a touchdown? Cooper Cup wasn't really that good. Um, I, wasn't, I, I shouldn't say good. Yeah, he wasn't great. Right. But I don't think he needed to be because I think he was actually – I think they used him as a decoy. Like, they forced the other team to double-team him, which left other guys open. That's yeah. kind of what it seemed to be like Yeah, yeah in that game. Just wa- kind of remembering, like, like – because I was thinking that too. Why are they throwing him? Oh, he's double covered. Like he's not open. Yeah, and the one, the one, like touchdown that he did catch was like a shoestring catch. It yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I think Beckham and Cup, they would be the kryptonite for this Bucks defense because it's not just one guy you have to worry about; it's two. Right. I just, I, if you're giving me 2015 Beckham, I might say yeah, but again. I just I haven't seen him. He's been part of that wishy washy team where oh he looks good this week and then oh did he play this week? Yeah, but um, uh, score prediction. Um, 
I'm going to say this is going to be a low-scoring affair. I'll go 19-13 Buccaneers. Lots of field goals. <laughs> that does that does sound like a lot of a lot of settling. Yeah. Um. This is so Sunday afternoon, and it's the NBC game. So Al Michaels, Chris Collinsworth. Oh, okay. And I'm surprised. I always feel like I know NBC is Sunday night football, yeah. but I always feel like NBC does get the last game of the weekend. Right. Normally. Yeah. And you know, at least Al Michaels gets to go. He's going out east, but he right. still gets to go south. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it stays warm. Our last game of the weekend, which I mean, I don't think I feel like to me, and I feel like I'm scared, a little scared to say this. I feel like this game almost can't live up to expectations because of what it's been set, but I still think it's going to be a great game. Okay. Buffalo at Kansas City. Uh, what do you think the spread is? Um, I will say Kansas City is favored by four. They are favored by two. Hmm. Uh, everyone is scared of Buffalo. Oh yep. wait, uh, to circle back, uh, confidence pick. Where do you have the Bucks? Um, that would be. Um, what do I have left? Uh, so you have Green Bay in your most confident, and right. Tennessee in your least confident. Okay, I'll put the uh, Tampa Bay next. Of what? Uh, second beside Green Bay, yeah. Okay. Which kind of? I mean, I think I already know who you're gonna pick in this game. Okay. In Buffalo, Kansas City, but let's let's still go through it. This to me is similar to the San Francisco Green Bay game where they've seen each other quite a bit, so they right. aren't quite divisional opponents, but right. they kind of know what each other are. Right. Although the Bills, I guess, have evolved quite a bit since their last meeting. Yes, correct. Uh so, so is Kansas City. Yeah, yeah, they've kind of shot themselves out of their offensive woes. Yeah. Um I called this the double rematch because they played in October. Right. Sunday night game, which this was until Buffalo went on this hot streak at the end of the year. This was the peak of the Buffalo season. Uh, up to that point. Beating yep. Kansas City. Right. I think they were four and one at that point. Right. And looked like they were in on cruise control. It looked like the Super Bowl was going to be no problem. But right. it's Buffalo and everything. Nothing can be easy in Buffalo. Right. Um, they also played last year in the AFC Championship game, which kind of got out of hand for the Bills early I felt like when because right. we, we were watching that game together yep. that they just they were overwhelmed it was Arrowhead now I love that this Bills team is not only coming in with confidence of having like they were they pitched a perfect game last week yeah and they already beat Kansas City this year so right. I feel like even this to me is a weird like I want to watch not like the full pregame warm-ups but as they're setting up for this game and as they do the on the sideline like reports and stuff because right. I feel like Buffalo is just gonna walk into this game with confidence for sure that they. Uh, it's hard to say they're the better team, but and it's not even like you could say they looked better because Kansas City still looked great last week. But to me, they're not gonna be the scared little brother anymore. Right. They're gonna walk in and say this is our game to lose. The the only player on the Buffalo Bills that's gonna be lacking confidence going into this game. Will be their punter. He didn't play last week. <laughs> that, that is true. I I don't think we can expect all all scores in this game. They, there might be a punt. Honestly, I don't know if I would punt in this game. Like even <laughs> even if you get a fourth down, I might just go for it. Four down football. <laughs> just yeah, tell your punter it's another week off for you. <laughs> because in on either side, I don't you you don't want to come empty from a drive because. You're just giving that offense because 
you know on that other side there's a dynamic offense. Right. And you know they could go and score. Like, I just think about not only Buffalo's perfect game. I think with Kansas City in seven, the final seven minutes of a second quarter, I know it's the Steelers, but they scored three times in the last seven minutes of a quarter. Like, they scored, I think, just before, just at the two-minute drill, and then still scored again before the end of the half. Yeah, and it looked like Pittsburgh was going to score. Yeah. And they end up getting no points. Out of, like, that was the TSN turning point. Does this feel like... Not a game that can shift early, because I, I know either team could come back. But I feel like this is this can just be a blow for blow, where even if it's field goals, like team, you're not going to be able to come out of more than what two or three drives without points. Presumably, the yeah. way these teams are playing, yeah, the way it's going for sure. Um, this this is setting up again in the AFC. It feels like we could have this. At least for the next decade, we could have this three-horse race of Buffalo, Kansas right. City, and that third team. We, I don't think we quite know who it is yet. I feel like I feel like we both think it would be Cincinnati, right? For the future of the that would be the three, three-headed race, three-horse yep. race. Yeah, the AFC. Um, this is the best rivalry though, because it's the two quarterbacks that now everyone's saying, "Well, is Mahomes the best young quarterback, right. or is Josh Allen sneaking into that territory?" Right, because. They both, I guess because we've seen Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl, we kind of know what he can do. Yeah. But with Allen, it's still kind of the unknown of this is not maybe not the kryptonite team, but this is the hump you need to get over. Right. And I guess with Kansas City, like the playoff, like historically, they haven't really had much trouble with the Chiefs. Right. I was going to say the comeback, but that was the Houston Oilers and good old Frank Reich. That's right. Um, the... Uh, the exercise in the demons, so I guess there's not. It would just be the current demons right now of can you beat Mahomes and this Chiefs team, and who, like we haven't seen, who have been in at least the AFC Championship game for the last three years, four years. Because twenty not twenty. Well, okay, let's go. Let's go backwards. So last year. They lose the Super Bowl. The year before right. that, they win the win Super, Super Bowl. Bowl right. The year before that is when they lost to the Patriots in the oh, AFC right. Championship right. game. Right. So, yeah, that's kind of what, it's also the confusing part of being like, okay, that was twenty the twenty twenty season last year, but it right. was the twenty twenty one Super Bowl. Right. Always, always confusing. I think back to last year and uh, Christian Barmore for the Patriots did exactly what Stephon Diggs did last year, which was watch the other team celebrate. Which to me. It is, as a loser, that's a yep. very good loser thing to do. I agree. To just watch and be like, this is where we want to be this yeah, year. Yeah, that's or right. Or next year. Um, uh, this, uh, this is closing out the weekend. It's a CBS game. It's Tony Romo and Jim Nance. Yeah. And, again, I think everything is setting up for this to be, I don't want to say the perfect game, but it is, I would say, like, by far the best game of the weekend. Yeah, for sure. That's why I think it's set up as the last game. Yeah, it and it 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 kind of like if, if we're saying I know we disagree, but on the Cincinnati Tennessee game, but I feel like either way, whoever wins this game, I, mean, I guess either way, if Tennessee wins, they're going to Tennessee. But I think everyone thinks whoever wins this game is going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, like this feels like a, an AFC Championship game to me, which I, I think would definitely be a red flag for next week to think about. Right. Of everyone's gonna pencil in whoever wins this game, right? Right. No matter Might who they're playing on the other favorite. side. Yeah. 
Um, all right, let's let's hear what's your what's your score prediction for uh, this game. I got Buffalo thirty-four thirty-two. Thirty-four thirty-two, and you also have them in your third spot. That's right. And the weather, just so you know, tomorrow uh, looks like zero, a low of zero, a high of four, partly sunny. Nice. So it should be good conditions. Good conditions. For the for passing some, game. Some nice offense. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, yeah, I guess I'll we'll recap confidence picks. So in the one spot, you have Green Bay. I have Tennessee. In the two spot, that's, that's probably the most fun is that we have the exact opposite picks in the exact same spot. Right. Tampa Bay and the Rams. In the three spot... You have Buffalo. I have Green Bay. And then in the fourth spot, you have the Bengals. I don't know why I wrote the Titans. I guess I just I thought you were gonna pick the Titans, but I guess you got to pick your you got to pick the new team. Right. Exactly. It's my old team versus my new team. And in the fourth spot, I am also gonna go with Buffalo. Wow. I as much as I think Kansas City has just always been that team. Yeah. I just hope one year they get knocked off the pedestal. Because it it would just and it would make this rivalry even better, right? Like if we say Buffalo because wins then it's this, not a rivalry if Kansas City keeps winning, right? Yeah, it's, it's kind of like, like the Yankees and Red Sox until two thousand four, right? <laughs> um, what would you say? So, I guess on both sides, what do you think would be the best championship game? Not necessarily the one you're picking. The best game that could potentially happen based yeah. on the wins that i think are gonna happen so i'm saying buffalo plays cincinnati yeah in the afc championship and green bay is playing tampa tampa rematch yeah uh i'll throw some other fun ones at you if if uh tampa bay and san francisco win it's tom brady versus new england second second wife jimmy garofalo oh yeah there you go um Again, if it's Buffalo, Tennessee, then the first thing we see of because it'll be it'll be Romo and Nance again. The first right. thing we see is the Music City Miracle. For sure, yeah. I can't think Bengals Bills. I can't think of anything besides when the Bengals got the Bills into the playoffs a few years ago. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tennessee Kansas City. They played this year. The Titans won, and obviously it was the AFC Championship a few years ago. Uh. That's kind of all the the fun ones. Like Rams Packers would be a rematch from last year, but that wasn't really a good playoff game. I think John, I was named Wolford. Yeah, I think he was the starter for the Rams in that one. Unless Goff oh, yeah. came back for that one, which either way, not not too good. And yeah, Tampa Bay Green Bay would get the rematch from last year. Although it feels yeah. like the Bucks are getting more and more deplenish, deplenish, right. not deplenish. They're getting more hurt. Okay. Um. <laughs> Uh, yeah, anything else from these for the divisional round? No, I just think there'll be, I'd say, I think there'll be four good games. I think they'll all be good. Yeah, there's not really, I mean, obviously there's a roadmap for every game to be a blowout, but I feel like especially every team that won a round that you kind of have at least some kind of playoff experience. Right. I don't really see a blowout here either. Yeah. I guess then we'll go to we'll go to the NHL. Uh, Rangers Leafs, yeah. Leafs up three one in the first period, and it, it it's just it's poetic at this point. I feel I honestly I know you don't feel bad, but I feel bad. Yeah, I don't, definitely don't feel bad. I'm just surprised by how well the New York Rangers are. I wouldn't have put them in the Tampa Bay 
Florida Carolina mix, but they're there. Yeah, they've proved it. Definitely and there. Igor Shosturkin, especially, has been probably. I know every like Vasilevsky is definitely the best goalie in the league, right? But I think Shosturkin's been the best goalie this year, right? I kind of disappointed I missed that game because I I wanted to watch it, so I ended up watching um, when it was over at Matt's last night. We watched Carolina Rangers because they said, "Guys, we got to this is going to be a good game." Yeah, and it actually wasn't really. Carolina was up five one, I think, at one point. Yeah, and it was kind of window dressing again, where the Rangers kind of got a couple late. I guess a good measuring stick for the Rangers to see, okay, we're good, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah, it does feel like in the East there are the the last year's Central Division is above, and I would say far above everybody else. Yeah, exactly. Um, I like to see, I wonder what the East is versus the West now. I have a feeling the East might be. Remember I told you it was 112 oh, the, wins, they were even? 112 losses. I'm sure the East is kind of taking control of that, although the Ducks did hammer tampa bay last night i just you know who i feel bad for uh, and i'll be honest with you here is the toronto maple Leafs because of the playoff format you're always gonna have to play either tampa bay florida i'm for now anyway yeah. or boston yeah like that's a tough first round match. you have really no choice because you're not good enough to finish first yeah. to beat those other three teams you're gonna you can't play a wild card team you have to play that's why i don't like that format no, it should just be the eight best teams. Exactly, because what are the chances Toronto plays Boston again? It could. Ha- it's. It gets. I'm not saying boring, but I mean like they can't beat them, right? Because yeah. the, again, we all know the Leafs are a great regular season team, but in the playoffs again, I know the word "soft"'s been used. I wouldn't say soft, but it's just the way they play. Yeah, they 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 they're not soft. They're skilled. I think would be a better way to, to call it. They're yeah. more skilled than most teams. I wouldn't say they're soft, though. No, and they add... But that's also their thing, is that they have all this skill, and then they decide, okay, we need some grit. We need the Kyle Cliffords of the world, which you don't. No, exactly. Yeah, that's not your game, but unfortunately, that's not how the playoffs are played. Um, and I, you can hear many elite fans, well, why isn't that a penalty? Because guess what? In the regular season, yeah, it is. But in the playoffs, it's not. No, because playoff games would take about six hours to play if they called every penalty. Right. Uh, do you want to hear what the playoff matchups would be right now if we did it the regular way? Go ahead. Win? Yep. Uh, 1-8 matchup, Florida-Boston. Wow. 2-7 matchup, Tampa Bay and Toronto. What? <laughs> Uh, so we wanted to change the format, and it doesn't help the least. Okay. It actually it ends up that every team in the same division plays each other. Carolina plays Washington, and then the Rangers play the Penguins. Right. Uh, I guess I'll do the West, too. Even though it's kind of hard for the West when I'm like, oh, San Jose is in a playoff spot. Right. Oh, Calgary is two point. Calgary and Dallas are two points behind, and they both have games in hand. Right. Yeah, it's like the Islanders, right? They got 10 games in hand on some teams. They're 11th in the conference right now. They're, right. they're, they're, they're creeping. Oh, yeah. They won again. Again, it was Arizona, but that's three in a row. Here we come. Yeah, they play the play the Leafs tonight. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, in the West, it'd be Colorado, San Jose, obviously just right now. St. Louis, L.A., Nashville, Anaheim, and Vegas, Minnesota. That sucks for Vegas and Minnesota. Cause yeah. To me, there is that clear... I don't even know if I put Nashville in that top flight of the West, but they are there. there. Yep. And funny enough, the top three in the West are the top three in their respective division. Right. 
because the Pacific is just that. Like Minnesota is fifth in the conference, but they're in a wild card spot because the top of three the... teams are in their division. Right. <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that last night because I again, I, you know, I don't like the new the hockey format. But we're, it's funny because, again, talking to some of the older guys I was with last night and we were talking about the old style when it was one against 16. You like that because you're playing teams you probably never play. Yeah. Right? Like Philly would play Vancouver in the first round. It, right? It just You'll never see that ever again. But yeah. you'd always see different matchups, right, when you're going one against 16 to 15. It would be really cool if the NHL would I, – I think it would be the Players Association would never agree to that because if you're – if you're the Rangers and you're the three seed and you end up playing Anaheim in the first round, like right. that's a that's a tough travel for the first for, round. For sure. And the owners, I don't think, would like that either, right? It would increase your travel costs. I, I have a feeling that's part of the reason why they went to conference play. I don't know if basketball ever did that. I, I don't remember because, like, I don't remember the formats. I think they've always had conferences and they played within their conference. Yeah. But anyway. Um. I didn't. I felt like that was going to make me think of something, but we're going to oh, talk about okay. Brad Marchand because okay. um, he is just the rival of all rivals. But this is weirdly enough. I'm not going to say I like fully support everything he does, but it's actually he isn't sounding as ridiculous as he usually does. How many times has he been hitting the nose this year? <laughs> Probably like a lot. every highlight I watch, he's got cotton ball stuck up his nose like he's up to his old way he must be playing well right if he is he's pissing well. people off um but someone asked uh vincent trocek if he would compare himself to marshan trocek said are you calling me a rat which oh hilarious right but then marshan responds and says well it's like comparing a lamborghini to a prius oh boy which is the most brad marshan headline out there it's just it's perfect that's demeaning another guy it's making yourself look great and uh the carolina hurricanes who they have like one of the best twitter pages they responded to marshan or when uh boston carolina played i guess it was recently right but also uh another oiler fan threw their jersey on the ice and marshan in an instagram comment said and fans wonder why mcdavid and dreisaitl don't sign back here long term wow which if they leave, there's quite a few pieces of ev- of evidence why they left. Right. Because we know what happened when someone's pissy. <laughs> That's right. I wonder if, if the Oilers, they, they should have opened up that sweater. Maybe there was a goalie in there. <laughs> Which, they, they're still in the slump. Apparently, they're going to address the goaltending soon. Which, to me, doesn't feel like a significant move. Right. That, w- that was a... An, um a uh, surprise segue for you by the way I, I i wasn't looking at the next thing i just happened to think that in my head about a goalie inside of a sweater yeah they they need it and they could use a guy like mark andre Fleury. Ab- absolutely and you'd think they if anyone's going to make a trade it'll be edmonton and do it now not be at the deadline it might be too late by then you might be not even close well i guess it's the west so yeah they could probably wait they could probably get on a but hot streak, but why not do it now? Are Make we sure? Move. Are we sure the slump isn't just gonna just not be a slump and just be, be who a, they they're are? a bad team? Exactly. Yeah. Because like, trigger. They outshot Florida and lost six nothing. Wow. 
Like that, actually, I don't know if they have tried. That might have been another. I'm confused. I'm mixing a bunch of Oilers losses in my head, but because there's a lot of them. I was watching it, and I watched the first period. I'm like, oh, it's zero zero. You know, watch an episode of Yellowstone. Check back in on the game, and right. okay, the game's over, and it was six nothing. And I get Florida is top notch Stanley Absolutely, Cup contender for but sure. Yeah, if Edmonton is a playoff team, it should be closer than six nothing. I agree. Now, I think the first thing Edmonton has to do is phone up the Arizona Coyotes because we all know they're good at taking dumb contracts. So just see if they would like to take a couple of goalies off their hands to start, and then you can go out and get your Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, I guess. Do you try to trade both of the goalies to Arizona? Yeah. Do you want Mike Smith back? Exactly. Do you want Miko Koskinen? Full circle. He can... Nico Koskinen doesn't even have to play. We'll just send him back to Finland. Because what I would assume those two goalies, um, their contracts are probably equal to Marc Andre's. The uh, two of them put together, I would think, around. I wonder. Right? Because be m- I know Koskinen makes like five, five million. Yeah. And, and Smith must be around the same. Right? Yeah, and Fleur is a 10 million guy. So that, that, that's what you'd have to do. But apparently, Fleury isn't don't, worried don't about a trade. trade. Why? He wants to lead the Blackhawks to the playoffs. Oh, boy. Well, you got to say that. That is that is wonderfully right. delusional. Yeah. And also, um, I didn't put this down. Do you want to – I won't make you guess, but the three untradeable guys for the Blackhawks considered untouchables. Actually, I'll make you guess. Who do you think the three untouchables in Chicago are? Taves, Kane, and their defenseman. Yeah. I Like – to me, I, I read that. I'm like, okay, Taves and Kane, they're the franchise guys. That makes sense. Seth Jones, you just signed to that big contract. Right. Does that mean you're just you're going to trade Alex Dabrinkit? Um, I'm just assuming. I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming those three probably have no trade clauses, so that's why they're not <laughs> tradable. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's it's not that they don't want to trade them. It's they can't. <laughs> yeah. Because I think of, like, if you're sending, like, a Taves – to Winnipeg. I know he's from Winnipeg, so that's just kind of the team I go to. Right. Wouldn't they love a guy like that? Second line center behind Shifley? But they, they can't afford him. Yeah. Right? Like now you have to give again, Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> we we're looking to dump contract. Are you, are you available? Yeah. Yep. Yes, sir. How much? And then honestly I'm hoping he's L T R though. We really like the long term. Yeah, we like the guys that we pay not to play. Play. That's right. That is a good Coyotes. I I love that Fleury said that. That's also why I want him to get traded to Edmonton because he just deserves better than having to play in Chicago. I agree. He he's probably the best goalie that gives up um like good goals. Like uh, he doesn't give up very many bat. Like when they score on him, it's not like oh he could have had that. Yeah. He's like stretched out. Like he's doing everything he can. Usually on most goals he lets in and still can't stop it. Yeah, and also in on a bad team. Yeah, I was gonna say in right. Chicago, it's gotten even he's, worse. Yeah, he's actually playing a little bit of Dominic Hasek out there at times. I can right, I can, like I he's flopping around, and he has to. Yeah. Um, Sidney Crosby got a, a hat trick. I think it was in a different game, but then he also did a, a bank shot against Columbus. Did you see that? On, Last on night, yeah, net? I just watched that. Yeah, he was actually trying to make a pass, and the, <laughs> it was a bad pass, which turned into a goal. You don't say, can't say that very often. No, but I I don't know if I've ever sure. seen someone try that. Like off no, the, to off do, the yeah, to do it. Yeah, it's true because isn't that the smart play? Because you're getting it out, but then you might not necessarily be icing it. But it seems like teams don't care about that anymore. Like they're willing to take the icing penalty to try score and 
have a face off. Yeah. Never it used to be like a cardinal sin, like, oh no, you iced it. Now it's a face off in your own zone. Well, especially 2000, 2009 World Juniors. They right. iced the puck, and yes. Pierre Maguire loves that. Uh, Quentin Byfield made his, I guess, debut this year with the Kings. Good to see him back. Right. Yeah. And the Kings, apparently, they're they're in trade talks. They're in a playoff spot. So they're looking to bolster their lineup. Is Are we sure it's veterans that are going to make the difference for the Kings? And not they already these, have veterans. But it's not these right? young guys coming up. But I, I just, to me, I don't know what, what is the Kings' move. Yeah, like, I what don't do know. they need? Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're like, to me, they're in between. Like, they're not rebuilding, but they're not a championship squad. So I, yeah, I don't. I agree. I I don't know. To me, like at the deadline, are they buyers or sellers? I don't know. They'll probably buy them and the Ducks because they're both going to take their playoff teams. Well, if you're in the West, of course. Like look at the Oilers, right? They still think they're a playoff team. They, they have the worst fourth worst record in the NHL since December fourth. Remember that was my bad stat from last week. Yeah, or last podcast. Like they're, they're in it. Yeah. Especially when they're two points back of Vancouver right now with four games in hand. And right. a lot of these teams, because the NHL did announce the reschedule. Yes, yeah, i seen that. Which, I mean, I'm glad. I, I felt like they were really leaving it to the last second. Like, they're going to come out of the All-Star break, and that's when these games are going to start. And that's only, like, two weeks away. Right. And yeah, you're going to have some exhausted teams, right? Like, the Leafs have to make up eight games in three weeks. Yeah. So they're playing more than twice a week, which is a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is it for the NHL, unless you got anything else. Nope. Uh, to the NBA, the Houston Rockets are apparently interested in a John Wall-Russell Westbrook trade. And I guess the reverse of the Arizona Coyotes of <laughs> they actually want to pay someone to play. Right. Westbrook was on the Rockets just like... I guess two years ago now, because he was on Washington last year. Who hasn't he been on? That is a great question. He, he was almost a Raptor at one point. <laughs> this is surprise me. Maybe was, that's where he's going to go next. It was going to be, that was after the championship. It was going to be Siakam, Van Vliet, and someone else for Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Wow. To keep Kawhi. Can make him happy. That's good thing the Raptors didn't make that move. But apparently, if if this trade is going to happen... The Lakers would have to be the team that throws in the extra draft pick. Okay. For John Wall, who hasn't played all year, and Russell Westbrook, who was benched by his coach after Frank Vogel got approved by management to bench him. Wow. That's also that seems like a weird infrastructure that you have yeah. to get. You have to the get approved. From, yeah. That I mean, because he dismisses that he's on the hot seat. I think we all know he is. Oh, for sure. If this Lakers team. Because like, everyone's expecting them to have turned it around by now, and they still haven't turned the corner yet. We're running out of time, right? We're we're nearing February now. Yeah, and I think the deadline is February 10th for the NBA. Oh, it's early. Wow. So, so yeah, yeah. You're going to have to make your decision soon. For sure. Um, I happened to turn on uh, Golden State Warriors-Indiana Pacers Thursday night TNT game, and I was like, oh, sure, I'll watch this for a couple minutes, and... They show the bench, and Indiana doesn't have one starter in the game. And not just not playing, not just not in the game, but in street clothes. Oh, wow. And the Pacers were led by a good old Canadian boy, Chris Duarte. Nice. At Oregon. And the game went to overtime, and Indiana beat Golden State. 
it was one of those like I just couldn't believe every step of the way Indiana just and they had another Canadian too, uh O'Shea Brissett. Okay. A couple of Canadians and like the Indiana bench is going crazy because no one's expecting them to win this game in right. Golden State. Right. It was it was incredible to watch. I I don't think the Pacers are a playoff team, but they at least believe in each other. Yeah, yeah. It was almost like a COVID game. Yeah, it kind of was. Because, like, Golden State had everyone outside of Draymond Green. Right. Who is actually, like, they showed their record, and I think they've, they're, have they like, they're well under 500 without Draymond without Green. That makes sense. Uh, the other Warriors game, I didn't watch, but I saw the highlight of Steph Curry, a step-back game winner against Houston, which surprisingly wasn't a three-pointer. Wow. They've been struggling, eh, the Warriors? Yeah, they've, they've hit a gotta, slump. Yeah, if, you, if you're battling to win a last-second shot against the Rockets, you know you're struggling. Yeah, it was – I mean, it's bound to happen. At least yeah, this yeah. is their time that they're doing it. They're right. going to work through this stuff. They'll get through the All-Star game and the trade deadline. And they they really don't need to do anything. I guess it's more of just who are they going to play. Because to me – Oddly enough, the number one team I don't, if you're a Golden State fan, that you probably don't want to see is Memphis because they are arguably the deepest team in basketball. Well, and have a suit and have John Morant, who's evolved into like yeah. superstar, yeah. highlight real, might be the second best point guard, right? Which is crazy to think about. Uh, Kyrie Irving was fined for uh, the comments he made towards fans calling them ungrateful through a couple expletives in there. But I just wanted to throw Kyrie Irving in there because who doesn't love Kyrie Irving stories? Yes, the unvaccinated Kyrie. <laughs> uh, Luka versus the Raptors, 41 points, 19 rebounds. And it's one of those Raptors losses that was just, okay, so the best player was the best player in this game. Right. Yeah, it happens, right? And, yeah, he turned it on and – there's only so much you can do when you're when a superstar is on his game. So, yeah, it was a it was a Luca win over the Raps. And also it was a good game again. Yeah. Raptors were in it; they could have won. And this is the Dallas Dallas who's become like the best defensive team in basketball. Right, right. So yeah, it was it. Um, I forget what they called it. It was like a not a bar street battle, but they were they were using terms because. Again, two good, real good defensive teams. It felt like '90s basketball, right? Yeah, exactly. But like physical. D- Dallas hit a hundred, and it was like, whoa, yeah, a little high scoring. Exactly. Uh, Mo Bamba in a game against the 76ers in the first half, and I don't think many people remember Mo Bamba. There's a song about him, which just means he's going to live forever in the internet era. But he scored 28 points, including seven threes, in the first half of a game against the 76ers. Wow. And this is a guy who is well over seven feet and looks to be a rim protector. Right. But, I mean, I guess it's the NBA where anything can happen. But I just I thought that was really cool. On the other side of that game was Jabal Embiid, who is in the middle of this 13-game uh, run, which I'm going to run through really quickly. So, last 13 games, 40 points, 13 rebounds, 50 points, 12 rebounds, 32 points, 8 rebounds. 32 points, 12 rebounds, 25 points, 13 rebounds, 31.6 rebounds, 31.8 rebounds, 31 points, 12 rebounds, oh. uh, 31 points, 5 rebounds, 31 points, 15 rebounds, and 10 assists in that game. 
34 points and 7 rebounds, 36 and 11, and 36 and 13. So if you're scoring at home, the lowest scoring outburst in these last 13 was 25 points. There's your MVP. Those are definitely MVP stats. It is it is ridiculous. Yeah. And when I, I was reading through it, and I'm like, okay, okay. And then I, I kind of looked back, and I'm like, oh, this is 31 points for five straight games. Right. This yeah, is, that's Michael Jordan territory. Yeah, we were looking for an MVP, and at least for now, we found it. Right. Joel Embiid is that guy. Uh, the Raptors beat Washington. Yeah, it was a good game. Late, late three from Freddie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, they battled back as Washington was up by ten for most of the first half, and then the Raps uh, again. Freddie's shots, everything looks like it's going in. It's it's crazy. He's just and again, he's not even hitting close to the line anymore. He must be practicing that because his shots are. He's taken them from like four, five, six feet off the three point line. I I don't. I can't remember how many Raptors you could say have that kind of confidence. Because, sure, you could say Kawhi was great, but he wasn't taking shots like that. No, exactly. And the other guy that's really improved has been Boucher. He was like, he had missed, I forget what it was, like 13 or 14 threes in a row. And now he's hitting them. You could just tell he's got his confidence back. And he just has a weird, I don't know what you call it, a throwing angle, I guess. He kind of throws it from behind his head. Yeah, exactly. It's weird, but it works. Yeah, as, as long as it works, they're in the eighth seed. And their rookie had a real good game, too. Scotty. I think he had, yeah, Scotty had, a, uh, I think, a uh, career game. I think he had 27. I was looking at like the schedule coming up. It's a lot of... Um, so they're finishing this road trip. They're at home for two against Portland and Charlotte. Then they go on a three-game road trip. This is, I think this is going to be a big test of their season. A road trip in Chicago, Miami, and Atlanta. Yeah. And then February 1st will be the emotional game because uh, Kyle Lowry's coming back. Right, in front of no fans. Oh, yeah, February 1st it'll still be. Oh, wait, isn't it one of these some? After January 31st? Yeah. I think 500 fans or something. Yeah. Maybe maybe he won't play. <laughs> maybe he'll wait until more personal reasons not to play. I wonder. Yeah. Wh- which is weird because Vancouver has full capacity. Like they had it. I was watching the highlights last night. Like their stadium's full. Man, it's Ontario. Yeah, I know. Too many people live here. <laughs> April third is the next time Miami would come to Toronto. Oh, okay. Yeah, which we I think should would have be fans, after. but yeah. That w- I think at that point it would be full. Full. Yeah. So maybe maybe he does wait for that one, or we'll right. get a tribute like Serge Ibaka yeah that's embarrassing who didn't realize it that was also just kind of awkward because there was no one there yeah. and it was New Year's Eve yeah it was just yeah strange all around and the only time Ibaka is coming back to Toronto until <laughs> next year wow uh that is all I've got let's get to your bad good and great okay um starting off with the bad which I'm gonna turn into sad is um the death of Clark Gillies uh, I know you probably don't know who he is, but he um, was the left winger on the Brian Trotze, Mike Bossy dominating line for the New York Islanders um, in the 70s and 80s. And I, I don't, it sounds like I don't think he was sick or anything like that, so it's just kind of weird um, that this happened. 
right? So I I don't think it was an accident. I've been trying to read up to find out what happened, but there hasn't been anything said. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to g- give you some stats here because I really thought this was interesting. The New York Islanders come into the league in 1972. So 73 season, they missed the playoffs, obviously expansion team in 74. Um, 75, they lost in the conference final to the Flyers. Mm-hmm. 76, they lost in the conference final to the Flyers. Back to 77, they lost in the conference finals to the Bruins. <laughs> 78, they lost in the conference semifinals. I think that one was to the Leafs. Uh, 79, they lost the conference finals to Boston. Wow. And then 1980, 81, 82, 83, and 84, they go to the Stanley Cup final. And winning four out of those five. So that's, like, they were a good team. And that last one was, the last one, wasn't it the last one they lost? Yes. That's the beginning of the Edmonton run? That's right, exactly, yep. And I know, again, I was reading a stat for the um, the 75 Flyers. The Flyers were actually up 3 nothing in the series, and the Islanders came back and won the next three games, but the Flyers won game seven. Wow, so it's not even, like, a team that was just in those positions. It's, like... Not just in the conference finals, it's a team that... They, they were close, like, yeah, because they were kind of known as that team that just couldn't get over the hump, but I didn't realize they were that good that quickly. So they were, I think they came in, I guess it would have been like a year or a few years after Buffalo. But yeah, so the Islanders and the Sabres got good right away, mm-hmm. right? The, yeah, 75. Were they, wait, weren't the Canucks in that expansion? Yeah, with Buffalo in 70. And then the Islanders, and I want to say some another team were 72. I thought there was four teams. Pittsburgh? Atlanta. Oh, the Flames? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. First iteration so. of Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, um, sad from a bad, but uh, my bad, <laughs> I got to go. I, I know I kind of t- told you a little bit about it, but uh, the Australian Open, Medvedev again, not only has haters in New York, but now Australia. Um, just after his remarks um, in the game where he was booed, uh, Jim Curry's trying to ask him questions, and then he's getting mad at the crowd. Like, you maybe you don't respect me, but if you respect Jim Currier, you can be quiet so I can hear the questions he's asking. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Like, he just, yeah, exactly. And, and, Jim Courier was trying to put a spin on it, saying, I think uh, Medvedev, they're trying to say sue. I guess there's a, a terminology sue for soccer. Yeah, it's and like Cristiano Ronaldo says it. He, exactly, when he scores or something. Yeah. So I don't know if that was actually what they were doing. Probably not, but no. Jim was trying to just smooth things over with the crowd, right? Um, but anyway, I just thought I would mention that. You need a villain, especially when... He's, and he, and he definitely is. When that villain also is facing an Australian and Nikirios. Right. I'm not going to cheer for him. Right. Exactly. It's almost like he doesn't understand that. That, I mean, I'm sure he knows he's the villain. Yeah. Oh, he does for sure. I guess he, I was going to say he should embrace it more, but I just feel like he shouldn't expect cheers. I, I get that situation, though, where you are just trying to listen to the question. And. I mean, English isn't his first language, so no, like, no, no, it probably came out a lot more harsh than he was thinking right, it. Right, right. Um, and then the last of the bad, which I didn't realize, um, it could potentially be Kyrgios's last match hmm. in Australia. So I guess he's contemplating retirement. I didn't realize he's that old. I know he's been around, but um, 
anyway, it was just kind of sad to see that. But uh, anyway, those are my bads. Uh, the good are the upsets at the Australian Open. Lots of them. And it usually happens the first term of the year. Um, it just seems to be there's different people that are, you know, um, playing well at that particular time, which is the beginning of the season. So you don't know, right? So you have the last Grand Slam of the season, U.S. Open. Both finalists are out in the first and second round. So Raducanu lost in the second round and Fernandez lost in the first round. So just goes to show you tennis is wide open, especially on the women's side. Yeah. Um, the great, um, which was um, the Medvedev uh, Kyrgios match. It was unbelievable. Uh, it went four sets. So Kyrgios actually took a set. Uh, Could have won a couple sets. And um, again, he's just entertaining, right? He, he did some, you know, between the leg shots that he didn't have to do, but he did it anyway. And it was funny because Medvedev played the evil villain so perfectly because he was just completely stoic through the entire match. Like whatever Kyrgios was doing because Kyrgios got in trouble with the uh, umpire for um, not getting to the line in time. So he got a uh, violation. So then, of course, the next time he, he's serving, he's running to his towel. running. Right, he's, he's overemphasizing. Being a stuff. jerk about it. Exactly. And the crowd loves it, right? And again, there's a few points where um, I think this is where it hurts Kyrgios is because he's, I don't think he's a very well-conditioned athlete because he doesn't take tennis 100% seriously. Because he often says, like, I'm entertaining. He, it's almost like he's a musician, yeah. right? I'm going out to a concert. I'm going to entertain the fans. There's a few points that he gets, but then he's running around the court. So, like, the crowd's going nuts. So, he's already got the crowd on his side. I don't think he needs to do that. But now he's out of gas for the next point because he's he's run for a point and now he's running around the court to get the crowd into it as well where at that point you should be like okay i gotta take a breath here i got another point to play because that's what ends up happening the next point now he dumps it into the net yeah right so again that's the entertaining side of curios and it doesn't even feel like when he has those moments it feels like it goes off the rails quickly where it's not just like okay he lost a couple points but oh okay he's fighting his way back it feels like when he runs out of that gas it never feels like there's a second win coming no exactly yeah he's just given yeah he's a good two out of three set performer but three out of five he just he can't beat the big contenders he's got the game but yeah that's that's what you'll always say about him just imagine if he like if Nadal took him under his wing and said, okay, we're going to train and th you're, this is how you're going to do it. Right. I just, it's not in him. It's just not that kind of player to be able to do that. Yeah. He, the, the talent is there, but it's just, yeah, it's all the other little things where you can be great, but are you going to be able to perform? And, and the, and the three out of five is a big deal for sure. So yeah, he just can't do it, but Hey, so what? Um, Stam, uh, Sam Stoser, retires so she wins her first round match loses her second round match to like one of her best friends uh i can't even pronounce her last name she was the 10th ranked russian pavla vokia i think her name is nah. anyway so they gave they actually she was allowed to talk and stuff because that's her last match she's an aussie so great way to finish um and another one which i, I didn't know i guess i'm feeling old here is uh Cornet. um she won 
uh, last night. So she's into the fourth round. Didn't she upset someone? Yes. Yeah, the 29th ranked Radu Wanska, I think her name is. Um, so, yeah, she's into the fourth round, and this is her last year. Wow. So, yeah, lots of tennis players uh, either retiring or on the verge of retiring. So, anyway, the Open's been good, and Nadal's look tremendous. Uh, I didn't think he would because he's been off for so long. He got COVID just before going to Australia. And I don't know if you know this, but um, Novak, so the reason why he was supposed to get the exemption the exemption was that he had it. Yeah, like it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. It is a good thing that it's not hanging over this tournament, and they can just enjoy the games. Yeah, they they talked about it the first day, and then that's been it. Right now, it's let's talk about the people that are here. Yeah, and uh, Dennis Felix, they're both FAA chug- chugging along. Beat Evans, the twenty fourth ranked player in the third round, so he's on off to the fourth round. Shapo's got a tough one tonight. He's playing Zverev for his fourth round match this evening, so that'll be a good one. That's always it. That's always the thing because like Nadal beat uh, Kachanov, right? Yeah, who's twenty eight? Yeah, and it's always like I know it's just how how so it many happens to go. Rank, yeah, because there used to be only sixteen like officially ranked players. Now they have thirty two. So yeah, it seems early, right, when you have those kind of matchups. But I think this helps Nadal because the winner of the Nadal match plays the winner of the Zverev Shapovalov match in quarter in the quarterfinals. Yeah. So wait, so then if it's Zverev Nadal, it's two versus six? Yeah. Wow. For a quarterfinal match. That's yeah. wow. I mean, it is good that you still get those matchups. It just feels like it feels like you might get burnt out a little early. Right. Cuz uh, to me it doesn't as even if it's Nadal Shapovalov, that doesn't feel like a three set someone dominates. Right. Chapo would make a little more sense if, yeah, yeah. if, if Nadal did dominate him. But, I mean, it's it's good that we have, again, we have these Canadians that we not just go, all right, they'll go and have some fun because that was always right. like Pospisil. Right. It was yeah. always, okay. Win around maybe hopefully. or get an upset over someone. And, yeah. But, but these guys these were. Are, these guys are potential. They could win. Yeah. Right. And they both got to Grand Slam semis last year. So, you know, they're confident. But, yeah, they're playing, playing real well. So, uh, Zverev's been playing unbelievable, so it's gonna. Shapo has to play the game of his life to to win this one. I I don't think he will, but I think what he can do is tire out Zverev for Nadal in the quarterfinals. It also still serves our FA both of our FAA theory that long term he is the better option. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I th- I think Shapo can get hot at the right time and win one, but I think FAA can win numerous consistent he's a little bit more consistent yeah uh was that your last one that was it yep all right well that about wraps it up for this one we'll be back uh do you want to do monday sure i'll do monday uh divisional round recap talk about conference championship in the nfl i guess whatever australian open will be at the fourth round by then or will be quarterfinals it's, uh will be quarterfinals i got sorry i had one more good for you here's uh just the aussie fans picture where it was a family of six with watermelon hats and watermelon shirts on nice nice coordination exactly yeah yeah (laughs) the aussies know how to do stuff right so (laughs) it's good it's good it is really good to see the fans getting to be there 
Exactly. Just yeah, exactly. Just the fact that they're there um, because they are limiting, I guess, fifty percent capacity. But if you've already bought tickets, they will go and honor those tickets. So if the stadium is sold out for the final, it will be sold out, and all the fans will be allowed to go. Wow. So some good to ease on restrictions, and especially Australia is they seem to be pretty strict. Yeah, and for the most part, it is it is a good thing to be strict. Sometimes you do need to let people live their lives. We're not we won't dive too deep, but uh, yeah, that about wraps it up for this one. We will see you next time.